Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hi, and welcome back to uh, another podcast with John and Frank. This is Frank Davis sitting in our Dallas office with my law partner in uh, health and safety matters, John Surma, from our Houston office. With us today, we have Andy Turner, who is one of my esteemed colleagues here in Dallas. If there's ever a question that I need answered and I don't know where to start and I can't get to Google, then I go to Andy. And sometimes... Even if I can get to Google, I go to Andy first. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Thanks for having me, Frank. I've been looking forward to joining your podcast. I'm a little ashamed that it took this long for you to invite me, but it's good to be here. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the way we record these, actually, you'll probably be very close to the front of, uh, of our podcast for the year. So we're excited to have this topic. Uh, and the topic today that we're going to discuss with you is is guns in the workplace. It's something that we're seeing more and more in national media and I've gotten a few questions about firearms in the workplace recently, and and you're, like I said, the guy I go to whenever I have questions of law that many haven't considered. Just to get us warmed up, can you give us an overview of the state of the gun laws in Texas as it applies to employers? Certainly, Frank. The interesting thing is it's certainly a, a hot topic. There seems like every time you turn on the news, there's been another episode of some sort of firearm incident. Um, some is horrifically bad. Others, you know, you, you read where patrons of stores have been pulling out weapons and defending themselves. It's, so it's, it's really a hot topic right now. So employers are wondering what the state of the law is. And the state of the law in terms of the lawful carry of firearms has been evolving fairly rapidly. So for instance, in Texas, uh, we for a long time had a concealed carry law where you, in order to have the legal right to carry a concealed handgun, you had to go through a process and receive the concealed carry permit. That started to change and we started to call it a license to carry as opposed to it being a concealed carry. But then in 2021, the legislature passed a firearms act that essentially opens up the the right to carry concealed or openly without going through a process or having to go through the course to get the permit. So the state of the law in Texas and in some surrounding states now has sort of evolved into what some people call constitutional carry. But uh, I think the better way to look at it is permitless carry. And then there can be some variations between whether you can openly carry versus uh, carry concealed. But that's where we are. In light of the constitutional carry law, in light of the permitted carrying laws in the state of Texas, does an employer have any right to limit an employee's ability to carry a firearm on that employer's property? Frank, there are really two things to consider there. Under the the new law, it did not alter what employers can do in terms of limiting the carrying of firearms in, in one respect. While employers can still prohibit the carrying, whether you have a license, whether you're a constitutional carry, whatever status you claim, 
your employer can still prohibit carrying firearms on its premises with this one exception. There is the parking lot exception. Even under the new act, employers have to allow employees to uh, store a handgun in their vehicle. It has to be a locked vehicle in the parking lot or parking garage or whatever facility the employer provides employees to park at work. They have to be permitted to lock a weapon in that vehicle. That does not allow them to carry it in into the building itself if that is otherwise prohibited, but you are permitted and an employer cannot uh, tell you that you cannot bring a weapon and leave it in your locked vehicle. Seems pretty plain to me, right? So you can have it in the car if it's locked, but you can't carry it into the building. Is there anything an employer should consider with regard to, to signage or workplace policies to put employees on notice that they're, they're not expected to carry firearms in, inside a building or outside of the parking lot, let's say? I think the key issue there is clarity, uh, and that is the employer needs to decide what they want their policy to be. Many employers prohibit carrying, certainly openly, but also concealed um, handguns on their premises. If that's the policy you want, then you need to be very clear that that's your policy. Also follow the statutory signage requirements, and that's actually a little complicated. There, I think we're up to three different signs <laughs> right now on who exactly you're trying to prohibit from doing what. For instance, the law does allow you to make a distinction between a license holder versus the general public uh, in terms of their Ability to bring weapons onto your premises. So uh, there are three different uh, signs that are available. They follow a very specific statutory language. And three varieties are kind of general public, license holder carrying openly, and license holder carrying uh, concealed. And so you have to decide what you want your policy to be. The language you're referencing is actually language included in the statute, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. And the uh, Section 30 of the Penal Code has a very precise language for business owners to utilize. Now, in a situation where you have uh, an employer that may be open to the public and the public may be carrying, is it still possible for the employer to tell the employees that they cannot carry in a situation where the general public could carry? They can. The employer still gets to dictate what the employees can do at work, uh, at least in that respect. You can have a company policy on what your employees can do, which may be the prohibition of, of having weapons in the workplace, uh, even if a member of the public could bring the weapon in. That, that's a, uh, a challenging issue, it seems to me, to reconcile if uh, the public's going to be carrying and you've got different expectations for employees. Would that expectation to employees to not carry uh, under conditions when the general public could carry, would that limitation extend to off-duty hours when the employee wasn't on the clock? That's a great question, Frank. I'm going to sit here and think in front of you for a minute, but if you have a 
policy on, I'm thinking like a retail environment or something, where you may have a policy that tells employees that when they're not on the clock, they need to not be on the premises. Extrapolating from there, you know, you can, I believe, still regulate an employee's actions while on your premises, whether they're on the clock or not. I think that's just a different situation. A an employee doesn't see being an employee of the company just because they're off the clock. Employer has wide latitude in what those policies will be. But if they want to prohibit an employee who is off the clock from having a weapon on their premises, I believe they're entitled to do that. Uh, I think that's a good answer. It makes sense to me. The constitutional carry and permit laws we talked about are primarily specific to Texas. John and I work in Region 6, OSHA's Region 6, which covers Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Uh, is there any um, reciprocity with those states with regard to permit carry? Any similarities that you're aware of? Yes, is the short answer. I am aware that Oklahoma and Arkansas have recently, similar to Texas, gone the constitutional carry route, the permitless route, while also like Texas, they continue to offer the permitting process because there are certain things, certain benefits to having the permit. Employer perspective, friend, if you wanted to ban weapons generally, but allow permit holders because you know that they have gone through a process and a certain, a certain level of training, you could draw that distinction if you want. And also to your question about reciprocity, there are many states that would require you to have a permit in order to enjoy reciprocity. So it would benefit you to familiarize yourself with the various patchwork of reciprocity uh, agreements between the various states. But I do know that Arkansas and Oklahoma have followed the uh, more recent trend towards constitutional carry and permitless carry. It's permitted, but you can also go through the process and get a license. And you may benefit from that. I'm interested in this discussion. And John, you know, in our practice, we always hear firearms. We hear discussions about firearms and the impact of firearms in the workplace or near the workplace on workplace violence programs. Have you had uh, any experience with uh, employers that uh, may have had gun-related issues uh, related to their workplace violence program? Thank you for a good question, Frank. Um, and, and Andy, I, I appreciate your insights. I, I think they're very, very valuable. Uh, the short answer to your question, Frank, is, is yeah, it seems about... Uh, once every month and a half, two months, we end up with a, a question where somehow, some way, you know, a, a firearm is involved in the workplace. It can be, you know, third parties making threats. It can be somebody in the workforce making threats. It can be, you know, a, a, a spouse or, or significant other of somebody in the workplace uh, making a threat or just the the sort of uh, topics that, that Andy's talked about, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, okay, I've got an employee who got a permit from wherever they say they have the right to bring that firearm in the workplace. Do they have the right to bring the firearm in the workplace? It's, it's a very, very common situation, one that an increasing number of employers seem to be having questions about. How do you reconcile the fact that in Texas, we've probably got lots of employees with firearms in their cars, Yet we may have an obligation under the OSH Act to maintain a workplace violence policy. 
those two issues seem to be at odds with one another. How do you reconcile that? I mean, I think to some extent, they very much are at odds with one another. I think the way in my mind you draw the distinction is, you know, kind of the front gate, front door, whatever of the workplace and and inward to the workplace versus front door, front gate, whatever, outward to the street and and trying to help employers with that concept. The other thing is, and, and Andy mentioned this, you know, the, the laws that prohibit employers from banning employees from maintaining firearms in their vehicle typically require that the, the, the firearm be maintained in a locked vehicle. And depending upon your state, sometimes in an inaccessible compartment of that locked vehicle, i.e. the trunk or, or something else. So it's still the employer's prerogative, if they wish, to say, okay, look, you can have that firearm in your locked vehicle, but there's no way you can bring it out of your locked vehicle and not be in violation of company policy. That certainly is an option that's available to them. But there are the rubs that you and Andy spoke about in terms of kind of the conflict between you know, what the general public is allowed to do relative to firearms and, and what OSHA expects relative to what's happening in the workplace. I think sometimes it's a, it's a difficult, a difficult issue to balance. Uh, and that's why I asked the question of you is what is the procedure? What is a consideration? Is there monitoring of the parking lot when employees are coming and going? Is there increased video surveillance? Do you hire uh, security guards? If you think you've got a lot of farms in the workplace or some type of disruptions, have you thought through those considerations and any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I mean, I think any and all of the above, you know, you'd made mention of the fact that employers may be obligated under the act, um, specifically under the general duty clause currently, although there may be some changes afoot relative to workplace violence to have a, a workplace violence policy. And, you know, from the standpoint of those policies, you know, typically they're not really a one size fits all. There's retail establishments, you know, healthcare is a, is a type of occupation, for instance, that in the state of Texas, everybody's prohibited from bringing firearms in, save and except law enforcement and a few other very limited categories. And so, you know, it really has to be tailored to the workplace itself. Typically, in addition to the workplace, you know, kind of the workforce itself, you know, depending upon what issues are are cropping up in the workplace, you know, tailoring it to that workplace is is smart. I I think just as a general concept, it's been my experience that, you know, some level of surveillance in parking lots tends to minimize a whole lot of bad behaviors. At the same time, you know, there, there can be resource issues relative to, you know, who's keeping an eye on those cameras and, you know, did an employer fulfill its duty? They had they had cameras there, but, you know, all they did were basically passive receivers of data. It truly varies circumstance to circumstance, and, there, and there's no one pat answer, at least not in my mind. Can I, can I jump in there? Absolutely. There, I guess there are kind of three points that I would, I would make. Uh, one is, even under the new Firearms Act in Texas, uh, there is immunity from liability to for the employer if there is an injury or death that is caused by a firearm that the employer was permitting on its premises because of the statute that says you can't you can't ban firearms from the parking lot. So if you're 
if you're complying with the law by allowing a person to have a weapon in the locked vehicle, you do have a level of immunity. I won't go into all the finer points of that. That's under Texas law. Under Texas law. And then also the new act retained the presumption under the old law that the presence of a firearm on the employer's premises does not itself constitute failure to provide a safe workplace. So you do have two levels of Texas law that have some bearing on whether an employer would have liability if there's a firearm-related incident, we'll call it. The other thing I wanted to say quickly is, regardless of the signage and and the warnings and handbook and all of that, you know, if you didn't have any of that, now you, I'm not saying that's a best practice, you should, but an employer does retain the authority to tell an employee or anybody else that's on their premises uh, who is carrying a, a either openly or concealed, you can tell them to leave and they must then leave. They would become a trespasser. And in some circumstances, it would be a you know class C misdemeanor if somebody carrying a weapon, whether they have a permit or they're a constitutional carry, if they're told to leave, they're required to leave. You don't have a superior right to be on the premises just because you're carrying a weapon. I think that's an important point to address that the employer always maintains control of the workplace and has the authority to exercise the necessary control to keep the workplace safe. Uh, speaking to the defense that we were allowing a firearm on the property, that's I want to distinguish Texas law from federal law because uh, a Texas law excuse for allowing a firearm on the property isn't necessarily a free pass under the OSH Act. The Occupational Safety and Health Act is a federal law, and that federal law, as John alluded to, and I think he's going to comment more on it in just a second, I can just sense it, that federal law requires the employer under the general duty clause to identify hazards in the workplace and to address them and make them as safe as the employer reasonably can, or the language in the act as as feasibly as the employer can. And and so while uh, that is a, a, a nice cutout for defense, and if somebody were pursuing a state claim, that may not provide a complete defense to a federal claim, John? No, I agree. While we do have immunity statutes relative to possession or carry of firearms by patron or the public on premises, that doesn't mean you're not going to get sued. But but more to your point with your last question, you know, from the standpoint of the OSH Act, the immunity from civil liability in conjunction with allowing firearms on your premises doesn't extend to OSHA making a determination that uh, you, you maintain a workplace free from recognized hazards uh, if you do allow firearms on the workplace. You know, certainly there are types of workplaces where I would anticipate OSHA would take a more dim view of the possession of firearms in that workplace if there's a workplace violence incident involving a firearm. So as a, for instance, you know, workplaces where, you know, the, the mere possession of a firearm is in and of itself kind of creating a hazard, i.e. in the healthcare setting, like in a mental healthcare setting where you're dealing with you know, patients that are, you know, potentially mentally unstable and, and or violent. Um, and then there's other workplaces where maybe there's a little bit less dim view of the possession of firearms. But, but in general, I think OSHA is going to look at an employer allowing the possession of firearms in most workplaces as not doing what the employer should do 
uh, relative to maintaining that workplace free of recognized hazards. John, Andy, I want to thank you both for your time today. Any parting words or uh, ideas that an employer might consider uh, with regard to controlling firearms in the workplace, Andy? I think the the first thing that I would suggest is that employers review their policies. They need to decide what they want their policy to be, and then they need to review their policies and make sure that it communicates what is permitted and what isn't. I think that's uh, very good. Thank you both for your time today. Uh, we're going to return everybody to their regular radio broadcasting. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.